0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
2: Very, very quickly, there was a Craig Green language.
3: In every collection, it starts with an idea of tradition, even maybe in the end, doesn't look like that when you see it. Often after a show, when you talk about the show, you're very pragmatic. It's amazing that certain people, when reviews and stuff, can kind of see something else that you didn't even see, but it's completely what it's about. You became this sort
2: of tentpole of London Fashion Week, you know, the must-see
3: show. How does that sit with you? What I do would not exist without London. And then there's the consideration of, yeah, if you suddenly move show, even if it's for one season, there is, of course, that like worry that are you then moving on?
4: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. This week on the BOF podcast, Tim Blanks sits down with one of our favorite designers Craig Green. When I first met Craig many years ago, he was sitting at one small little table in a studio in East London. He told me he had two and a half employees. I was shocked to see such an incredibly creative talent managing a business with so little resource. Well, Craig has grown a lot since then. His creativity has grown and his business has also grown. He's one of those designers that has had a signature from the very, very beginning and has found a way of evolving and developing and amplifying that signature in a way that's exciting season after season after season. So we're really delighted to have Tim Blanks sitting down with Craig Green inside fashion.
2: Craig, here we are on a summer's day in London. The rain is driving hard on the roof. We can hear it in the distance. It's quite atmospheric. Um, Welcome to BOF's podcast.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that we finally get to do this. I'd I'd like to start uh, by talking to you about the last show because um, it was... I feel your shows uh, are a kind of steadily building kind of repertoire of of um of statements and it seems to me that there's a sort of there's a story emerging now um that 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 if you look at like the last six or seven shows that you can feel this sort of like a mythos emerging or something what 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 do you think about that
3: um i mean every season we like i I don't think we ever know where we're going to get in the end it's always very kind of That kind of feels right. I don't know how that goes with this. I don't know if automatic's the right word, but it's kind of, the research process is very wide and I guess you say vast. So like this season, we have a bigger team now, so we can develop textiles better. We can focus on kind of fit, shape, and kind of new things in a way that maybe we haven't previously. Um, So that kind of gives us like the ability to, I guess, do more.
2: But if I was so, going yeah. to say that that it feels to me that you have this sort of preoccupation with the body, mm. and uh, you know even even it's say like your signature, the little hole mm. in the middle of of your knit. So this time there was a little hole over the heart. Mm. Um, and this which feels to me like very much you're releasing the soul, but this time, there was this f- skin. This was kind of mm. you were thinking about skin. And I and I wonder and in all its manifestations from the horror movie like Silence of the Lambs to something a lot more almost angelic or spiritual. I, I wonder how um when you're researching, how do those ideas, how do you research ideas like that? And do they kind of emerge in the
3: research? Or do you have this overall vision when you when you start? Um yeah, kind of like how I was saying, it's like we, I mean, I was thinking about leather. I guess it like also the skin as an organ. I think that's kind of like a bizarre idea that you're wearing an organ or you're protected by an organ. And I guess it goes back to that idea of protection, functionality and this a very strange thing that you're wearing like another animal's organ as clothes also to protect you kind of, I guess if you're riding a motorbike or something like that, you feel like you're protected if you wear like leathers. So there was that idea of skin. There was also, yeah, it was like, so for the whole season, I kept listening to Goodbye Horses and I didn't really know why. Um, And I was discussing that song with Frederick Sanchez who um, works on the soundtrack for the show. And I guess that song weirdly, describes what the whole collection was about in all of, in everything that surrounds it, the films that it was featured in, the mystery behind her going missing for years and not being in the public eye or on social media. Um, the idea of the horses being your senses and transcending to somewhere else and realizing, I guess realizing what true reality is, um, and kind of giving in. <laughs> but
2: you, but you've, said, you've said a lot, and you've talked a lot in the past about reality not being something you're particularly partial to. That you you actually prefer the unknown. Mm. And um, there was this, there was out this, out the element an element in this collection. It it gets stronger and stronger. You look back over the last few seasons. Uh, this collection with uh, the notion of the paper laid over corpses and mexican funeral rituals last season the glass man and that mm. that weird sort of resilient fragility or whatever mm. um there there's a there's a sense of the macabre i mean you talk about mm. goodbye horses well everybody does think about buffalo bill dancing mm. around in his suit of human skin right well i guess when you're wearing an animal we're animals so you're an animal wearing an animal skin but um when you're doing those ideas are subtle, but they are there and they're really quite disturbing. Mm.
3: I mean, that show also was about um, ideas of perspective. So like the mirror, I think like the main thing was the whole thing was kind of about a mirror. Um, I kind of think a mirror is about like represents possibility. Um, I like that the show space We used the same show space again, which was like the kind of the first time that we'd chosen to show at the same venue. But I was like, wouldn't it be good if you used that venue, but you kind of doubled the size by putting a mirror on the floor. So it was almost like you had a completely different perspective on the space. Also scrutinizing yourself in the mirror, reflecting in the mirror, the mirror giving, making a room look bigger or giving light like mirror used as kind of a protective from bad spirits. Um, All of those kind of ideas kind of link into it. Mirrors also reverse reality. Mm. Yeah, it kind of flips reality. I think, I just think it's important to like fantasize and I think life is very real um, at the moment. And that goes back to Goodbye Horses again. It's like kind of realizing reality for what it truly is and kind of um thinking about what's next what is it (laughs) What, 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 what is reality for you now what does that mean i think it's like you know when you learn something can or i guess it's the mystery of not knowing is sometimes more exciting than knowing i kind of it kind of goes back to you know when people ask you like what advice would you give to a student that was starting out and i always say I don't think you should give them any advice I think the best thing is not knowing because then you make mistakes and you discover it yourself and that's kind of the exciting thing is that what happened for you though that you sort of like
2: that you were kind of ignorance was bliss you were kind of protected by not knowing
3: what was going to happen to you so yeah (laughs) I I kind of went to college with I knew I wanted to do I, I wanted to be a painter or a sculptor just because I liked making things and I didn't really know I didn't come from like an art background or or a family that had any kind of artists in or anything like that or designers so I'd never heard of St Martin's until I graduated from college and a friend whose dad was a prop maker um, said oh you should come to the open day at St Martin's it's like the best art college to go to and I was like okay I'll come along and then applied and then, then on the foundation started off doing kind of art and ceramic subjects and then somehow shifted into fashion just because it was more like i just like the energy of the people which is very haphazard way of like planning your life and i don't think you can kind of do that anymore with like fees going up in education and um you need to be scared. scary to- the whole thing for, for you almost like need a life plan like you need to <laughs> <So> <laughs> you need a plan you, to pay back the debt <laughs> would, would you say that you weren't
2: you were that, that actually you weren't focused and that kind of and that kind of helped you that you didn't go in there with, you know blazing with ambition
3: it was like i was open to suggestion i think and i i was very focused in like i always worked very hard um and always dedicated a lot of time to what i was doing but the reason I went in it it, from a young age I just liked making things it was like that it wasn't like I dreamed of being an artist or it was like I just loved to make things and at one point I thought maybe that meant I should be an architect or I should be a furniture maker an inventor yeah like a maker I guess yeah like a trailer and maker did probably you, useless things but, yeah.
2: but what did but what did fashion what did fashion mean to you when it when you know when it when it caught your eye at St Martin's
3: what what was in your head about fashion at that point um I didn't really know anything about fashion like I did I, I mean at the time I didn't know that I didn't know you know like I I guess I I mean I grew up in North London and we all had certain ways of dressing which I guess you think is fashion at that time but it's Maybe a fashion of a subculture, a fashion that relates to a style of music rather than it's fashion maybe as so, Fashion you're in a, Fashion you're in and a, guess, a, tribe. Yeah, in a tribe. I guess like you're kind of you dress as your friends and So what was you your belong. tribe in North London? Um we used to go to kind of like metal and um I guess you call them like ska punk clubs in Camden. That was kind of like our thing. We go to festivals together and that was kind of the way we dressed. We used to draw on our clothes and like monsters
2: of rock style festivals, like metal festivals.
3: Yeah, kind of. Um, we used to all dye our hair different colors. Like, and yeah, it was kind of experimentation, but in a maybe it was kind of outside of fashion. Um, I used to be a lot more experiment. I was more, much more experimental with the way I dressed. And when I arrived at St. Martin's, I was, I kind of all got it out of my system or something. I was very, like, I looked very normal or something. How old something. were you then? 20 oh yeah so I was 20 when I started there so yeah what what kind of um attracted me to fashion was more like the people I think like in the in the art subjects everyone was kind of on their own timeline or people were kind of working from home and people were kind of coming as and when they needed to I guess in the way that they like to do work it's kind of like self-motivated but the fashion people would be queuing outside the building before it opened, being thrown out by the security guards at the end, and then kind of all go out together. And that kind of sense of community and energy around it, I guess I found exciting or inspiring. Um, And I didn't know anything about it. And I didn't know how to make clothes and I didn't know, but I knew that I liked to learn or something where I wanted to know. I mean, on the first day of foundation, they say to you when you all sit there, like if you've never done fashion before, and you've never dreamed of doing it don't even bother applying because there's ev- the half of this room are here at St Martin's to do fashion so if you haven't tried it i would kind of avoid it and then i was a bit like yeah but i haven't tried it so <laughs> maybe a bit um, defiant i was like i can do this <laughs> so, i want to try it. <laughs> so you
2: like the, you like the community of the fashion of the fashion department it was funny because you know, that's one thing that's been really strong about your work from the very beginning is it always feels like a community, that mm. what you show on the catwalk feels like a tribe or a, um, I've always thought they felt a little bit like a hermetic, mm-hmm. you know, that self-referential, you know, like on an island somewhere, or, mm. kind of cut off but but um, really, really complete. Mm. And and I, I think I, when I saw your graduate show and you had those the huge big – I don't know what, what you call them. I never knew what like to the them. houses. The or house but the, the you know, those the luggage know, kind of you call them <laughs> yeah, wearing no, but more than wearing your house on your back, they were kind of eerie mm. and and sort of gothic or almost. Yeah. Kind of but but that was considering that that was got what that got you on the front page of the newspapers and your graduate show, mm. how did that idea what did that idea represent to you? Because it's been something you've come back to throughout the rest of your career. This idea of these the changing silhouettes with these structures that models that 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 men and women carry, or they're kind of wearing this thing. Um, um what what did that represent to you then? I think
3: I mean the, the idea of community and I guess, yeah, like communal ways of dress is the way we always kind of describe the what the brand's about, really. And then my MA collection was about the relationship between religious wear and work wear. And that idea of like one for function, one for spiritual function, but the similarities between the both. Um, I don't know why I had that kind of um, obsession with that idea. I guess I, I come from a family that was very, like my mom's house was like you come home you wouldn't know if there would be 20 people there or one person there people were always kind of coming in and out we lived with other families at some point um all in a kind of great way I mean when you're a teen like when you get to a certain age in a teenager you want your own space don't you but like growing up with so many people and so much energy um I've always loved that idea and I guess the uniform aspect I've spoken about it before I guess but um, I, I kind of think uniforms like a positive thing I, I kind of I guess like you know like non-school uniform day when people would wear your own clothes I felt like that was the moment where everyone judged each other because that was the moment where everyone could wear their coolest trainers and clothes kind of show how rich they were basically or what they had and before that everyone was kind of wearing the same thing and in some way not maybe not wholeheartedly like judged on a even playing field a little so you would be saying can i please wear my uniform on uniform day? <laughs> <laughs> i was probably one of the annoying kids that um loved the non-school uniform day but i remember there were people that would wear their uniform um rather than wear their own clothes Rebels. on that day yeah <laughs> but where does it where does the religion
2: come from then
3: um i'm not really from a religious family um but i grew up in an area where i was thinking about it the other day that all of my best friends in primary school were all from different religions and all from different ethnicities like i don't think i had one caucasian anglo-saxon kind of british family friend it was kind of like i would go to their houses and I guess experience it but take it for granted it was kind of just the way it was also my family I mean we'd go to church at Christmas just more to kind of sing songs I guess it wasn't really um wholeheartedly religious <laughs> um it was more of a community again like it was like an area where it was more like I feel like Hendon as an area is almost like living in the country because you go to the pub everyone knows your parents you walk down the road you see your godfather you see your old neighbor it's very everyone knows everyone and yeah my granddad went to the school that my mum went to and I went to that same school so it's very traditional in that kind of strange way um and also within my family like my my uncle converted to Judaism from a young age so he would come round, and we would do kind of Hanukkah and it was it was very um I never f- thought about it at the time but I was kind of surrounded by religion and by ritual then. And ritual, yeah, I used to go I had a I had a really close friend that was his family were Jehovah's Witness and I would go to the Jehovah's Witness meetings with them sometimes like the the meetups. So I guess there was that there was that aspect of community there so that kind of I guess kind of came out in the work in the end. I mean it, it was when I I was kind of a bit lost at St. Martins. I I knew I could draw and I could kind of paint. That's why I went onto the print pathway because I thought if I'm really bad at making clothes, at least I can do prints, which is probably like a really, another really stupid way of thinking about your education. (laughs) Um, It was a a time when like women, I kind of thought I had to do women's wear and had to be a certain way. and it wasn't until I went for an internship at Walter van Berendonck. And from then he showed me that he he inspired me or showed me that fashion can kind of be from anywhere and about anything. And it doesn't matter about how you grew up or where you came from. It can still be an inspiration for clothing. It doesn't have to be, I don't know. But, I'd watch my mum get dressed kind of fashion but did you, inspiration. Yeah, did,
2: but did you have a sense of- I mean, Walter would have reinforced it. that Those were things you could subvert, um, you know, mm. from the graduate show onwards, especially focusing on menswear. Um, did you focus on menswear from the beginning or were you doing women's I was kind of doing
3: because it was fashion print. You could kind of do either. It was mm-hmm. more like you could do a men's outfit one project. You could do a women's the next. So I focused on menswear at the end. Like after I, I did all my internships with, menswear designers um so yeah i kind of made that decision halfway through i guess because it
2: also gives you like i said it gives you more to subvert you know mm. you've got more codes to kind of twist and to, mm. to kind of undermine and and you know what i thought right from the beginning what what i thought was that th- there was there was a real sort of political um statement being made i mm. thought i don't know if you were particularly conscious of that but you know, when you say that you, you're drawn to the unknown, it felt like you were. There was a sort of utopian notion, but then you couldn't actually uh, stick with that because mm. utopia actually wasn't realistic. Yeah, and I feel it's like dark and light. Yeah, has it's, to exist yeah. together.
3: Like you can never have yeah. positive without negative. But it started to slide more into the dark. Mm. Yeah, I, I, we always I always play with that idea of light and dark. Um, because I th- I always think it's interesting if you show someone an image what how they perceive it um, kind of, it kind of goes back to the first Montclair collection that we did and we there was like a, a, a like a bulby man I guess you'd call him but I guess someone with an innocent mind saw it as a spaceman and then someone with a maybe darker mind saw it as a kind of sexual pleasure implement man. but i love that idea that you can have one image (laughs) best not to say (laughs) spaceman (laughs) yes um but i love that idea that you can show someone an image and they could see depending on their perspective and who they are so that kind of light light and dark thing um i feel like you, you have to have both well, you know, it was—it's funny you say that because your first collection
2: outside when you when you mm-hmm. when you went from doing Fashion East, and you did your first standalone mm-hmm. collection, and you know it's fa- famous because people were crying, and mm-hmm. you know when people cry at fashion shows, it's a it's a moment, and that collection I think it was Spring two thousand and fifteen was it? Um, you could read that in in. Like you're saying, mm. light and dark. I mm. mean, I saw the Children's Crusade, so I thought there was a sort of doomed idealism, you know, blah blah blah, mm. my 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 pet pet obsessions, and other people saw something. They saw polyphonic spree. They saw they saw joy and mm. um, transcendence, and so on um what what would what we what were you thinking i mean the, the the barefoot models the beauty of those clothes just the sheer beauty of those clothes mm. took people by surprise I think
3: what were you thinking at that moment? I think that collection was um i mean <laughs> I remember like the the morning of the show I was worried that everyone was going to think it was really boring so we were trying to make the models walk faster and trying to get some more energy in the room because. It was the first time we'd gone with a I guess a more classical soundtrack there was no print there was no kind of color really apart from it was like a singular color and I thought everyone was going to think it was a bit floaty and floaty and and, um, a bum note or something so um, you're never really sure how people are going to react to it I guess but that's kind of the excitement of it and the it was about this it was about simplicity that that collection it was about what is the simplest what is the simplest way of putting clothes together and kind of not things being i guess it's like flat packing again a lot of the clothing well what is the simplest the the simplest form of quilting that you can do on a quilting machine and it's just like a two inch quilt line that's like the most basic before then you go into like a diamond so there was that protective protective simplistic kind of idea going on and then also i mean one of your signatures lacing things
2: together you know l- laces instead of buttons mm. or whatever you which which also creates this this uh, there's a functionality in a lace. Yeah. But the way you use lacing, there's also that heightened vulnerability. You you always feel like you just you know you can undo a lace and everything's just going to collapse, <laughs> sort of sh- just slide off the body. What is it about? Wh- where did that? Where did that particular idea come from for you? Because um, it
3: feels like something you might have seen somewhere mm. and
2: been drawn to.
3: I think it, there's a there's definitely a tradition in every collection it starts with an idea of tradition even maybe in the end it doesn't look like that when you see it um but there were fencing outfits there were kind of old ideas of armor ways of doing it up and also this the string aspect I like that it's restrictive and freeing all at the same time you can adjust it to a different body shape that's why I guess kind of especially that collection women can wear the pieces as easily as a man they can pull it in around their body if they wanted um I also like that there's something useless about them it's that idea of functionality again yeah like how you say it looks like if you pulled it like you would inflate or something terrible would happen the garment would just fall apart um that idea of function is always kind of um I guess in the collections and the work that um things look like they used to do something or could do something but they do nothing at all but there's a kind of like <laughs> they're aesthetically pleasing the
2: silhouette has those laces fluttering around it they're they're, they're beautiful
3: um and and they're, they're, they're and if you they're, tie they're, them all up, it's almost like you're suffocated. I <laughs> think that's kind of a <laughs> Or bound, <laughs> yeah, bound,
2: <laughs> controlled. But they're, yeah, they're, they're also um fragile. Mm. you know? So um, I think that's sort of like I said that that that, that sort of fragility and a kind of gutsy fragility or fragile gutsiness or something seems mm. to be a signature as well. Um, that,
3: because like how I was saying about armor as well, they they were. They also look like kind of the internals of old spacesuits as well, you know, like kind of, or something that you put over a car to protect it in winter, you know, those kind of like light quilting, I guess, throwaway kind of textiles. Um, There was tarpauling as well. We'd like made kind of full outfits out of, I think one tarpauling was just from like B&Q that we quilted and then the black one was. From my godfather who's an upholsterer is what they use underneath like kind of sofas um but i love that idea of making something out of nothing um that collection was kind of something out of nothing as well because it was really two materials or one process and one material and then the sculptures were i think we made them in like a morning they were like just a we're like oh this piece of muslin moves nicely she put it on sticks? Yeah, great. It's like <laughs> I remember that. Like I remember, simple I remember and automatic, just, or something.
2: I remember that often after a show, when you talk about the show, you, you're very, very pragmatic. You're very, like you say, oh, it was the, you know, people are crying and going on about children's crusades or whatever, and you're saying, oh, yeah, it was the bottom of a couch and we quilted it. You know, do you read your reviews?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely.
2: Do you are, you are you ever kind of, do you ever laugh at what people think, how people decide they know what the, you, they think you've done? Sometimes
3: I think it's more interesting than even what I say it's about. That's why I kind of like, sometimes it's, yeah, like I always think, like, oh, do we have to write show notes? Because sometimes people, like, you know, it feels interesting or you know it feels right or there's something like this feels good that when the model's walking around in the studio and you know kind of where the inspiration started. And then it's amazing that certain people and reviews and stuff can kind of see something else that you didn't even see, but it's completely what it's about in some way. Sometimes it's not what it's about, which is funny, but. Are I you think, sensitive
2: to criticism though? Like if somebody says something's not working, I mean, uh, will you take that on board and kind of
3: try and address it? I think so. I think because you're inviting people into a space in a show, I think. So that's kind of, I guess that comes from, that is that idea of like you're putting on a show. So if if people are made, going out of their way to come and see something, I guess you want them to, you want them to feel something. Sometimes maybe it's not great to, if they don't like it, it's maybe hard. Um, Has that happened But it's much? interesting.
2: Has that happened?
3: A few times, yeah. But I think for the better. I think sometimes when you're working on in the studio, it's very um, about you, the people you're working with, the team and what you're making and what feels right for you as an entity, but really ultimately you're putting out into the world. So you're showing it to people to see what they think or like to get a reaction, I guess. And, And I think when I was younger, like the first show that i did with fashion east um with like the fence i think people call it fence face show or something looking back i think that was kind of a good reaction for a first show that it was so kind of splitting opinion um some people really hated it or they got really angry i got like hate mail and um and daily mail daily mail i got hate mail (laughs) Yeah, real like personal hate mail attacks about being evil and stuff and um and I think when it's your first show I was like oh no what I'm doing is a joke I should be doing something else like uh oh, oh what a disaster and then looking back in the story of it I kind of think maybe that's a good thing to happen. I think it's good for people to react and or feel something for what they're seeing, I guess. You, you Hate know, or love. It's funny that that <laughs> um you know, it's what
2: Lee McQueen always used to talk about mm. too, that like when you talk about wanting to do a show, you know, mm. wanting to give people something. He was always he was always very um conscious of 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 a show needing to be something, an exp- needing to be an experience. Mm. Whether you hated it or loved it, it needed mm. to be an experience. Um, um, he he also used to talk about you know, beauty and horror and horror and beauty um, as a sort of guiding principle. And I feel in a in a funny way I feel you've picked up you've picked up on that a little bit in mm. in your work. I mean, was he was he somebody that you looked to at all when when you were
3: kind of not, starting out? Uh, not specifically. I mean, I think he. I mean, he's incredible. Um, and I think everyone especially at the time in St. Martin's it was like I, th- I think you have eras and students work or years where like everyone is kind of doing a McQueen everyone's doing like a women's wear flower kind of evil beauty kind of thing um, which is like the aesthetic of that year because it's like so important for everyone at that time um, yeah I, I mean I think he kind of influences everyone, doesn't he? I mean, he influences every young London designer. Do you feel but everyone's that, doing a green now? Uh, don't... No, I don't think so. Can you see your influence, sir? When I was at St. Martin's, my main thing that I dreamed of was being in a book in the library. And I thought, oh my God, how amazing that one day you would be in a book and you would be in a sh- printed out in a student's sketchbook as an inspiration. And I thought that is like my goal. I want to be in a book. And you In are. St Martin's Library, and you are. I, <laughs> what, what, what ha- I think
2: what it's um, what it refers to is is a very clear design signature. You have a very, very, very quickly. There was a Craig Green language, you know, um, and 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 what what has thrilled me over the over the years is seeing how. It can expand because at the beginning it seemed it seemed quite um, it was very tight and very um, you know the frames the structures uh, the the, fun- the workwear the sort of samurai workwear and then that sense of the the community cut off and just evolving its own completely it uh, completely its own style mm. you know that didn't refer to anything else but that has expanded now still being that but expanded into all this other thing all this other stuff expanded into spirit and you know expanded into the ether um how how would you how would you track the change from then to now what what do you feel it it's primarily been about
3: um i think as time goes on and as you have more I guess it's like ability isn't it to try new things and time to try new things i think at the beginning it was very um i look back and i think there's some there's a kind of like beauty in how like repetitive and simple some of those like early collections are i mean the first one that i did with um fashion east installation um the whole thing was just made out of calico and but just for the simple fact that i didn't have any other fabric but we were like, how do you wash it? It was all hand painted. It was like, okay, let's put value into something that is nothing. And it was kind of using what you've got around you to make something And at one point you then have fabric suppliers, factories. It's not just, okay, we know that factory can make jackets, so we should do a jacket. It's like this factory can kind of do anything you want. And then it kind of, sometimes it kind of, I guess you could say it muddles things to have too much choice I kind of think those things for you yeah um, in it, I mean in the end something like comes out of the mud because you have too many options it's like oh we can try like 20 colors we can try 20 stories in the show you don't know which one's going to be good but then that's 20 times more work and <laughs> um I kind of think I always think like the scariest thing to ask anyone or the scariest thing to say to someone is like you can do anything that you want I think that's really, like, um, stunting. Sometimes I think that, the best thing is, like, here's that fabric and go and do something with it. So you kind of big work big within believing the value of restriction. I yeah, think that, I, think, I think... I
2: think some of the greatest designers in fashion history have worked very much within mm,
3: quite defined boundaries. There's something about, like, what could you... The possibilities of within a material or the possibilities of within a technique is really... um I feel like you can do so much within that restriction. And that's what I kind of like about fashion as well, that you're restricted to the body in some way. You can kind of do, you can do a lot, but at the end of the day, they kind of have to walk and the body doesn't really change. And it's kind of like, how do you work within that restriction? I think that's kind of exciting.
0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
2: But the, think about the glass man, though, in the last collection, where you use the plastic and a, and it's two arms, two legs, and a head and a torso. Mm. But there's there's something you've managed to bring this other quality, this sort of almost like a fairy tale quality to mm. menswear um, that. Kind of changes the rules. I think this is go- this kind of goes back to to your to your language and your influence, you know, that it you've opened up new pathways. I think to to think about menswear and even more remarkably, men are following you down those pathways. Do you find that that um, you actually do you, does it surprise you that that some of your more extreme ideas do you find an audience does it reassure you
3: yeah i think um, i i think like in the in a show format it always starts with like i mean the conversation at the beginning of the season is like what do you want to see now what would you be excited to see and what do you want to see after what we showed last time what feels right even before or like we just pull kind of images or like oh, do you remember that idea that never worked or it's kind of very like starts in that way so I guess the show is I think that's cu- sorry I'm jumping back but the my MA collection the clothes were really there to show the sculptures or like the 3d pieces it was like oh and they need to wear something but the. I mean there was a consideration in the clothes but really it started off as like a like a visual so it was like what exciting visual do you want to see going down the catwalk kind of thing which maybe comes from a coming from a non-fashion background. Maybe that's why. But it's exciting that if you, you can that if you can create like a, a a visual that you want to create, and then it can translate to some form of clothing or some form of audience. I think I guess it's just another positive. But on it's it, incredible. Rather than it's just for, Dover Street and see that stuff hanging there. Yeah, hard you to make them into is... a jacket. <laughs> I've been trying to make them into a jacket for months. <laughs> but
2: yeah. you mastered it. You did it in the end. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Cursing yourself all the <laughs> like, time. Why
3: did we choose to sell that? Why?
2: <laughs> you know that we we. You were talking before that when you're when you're a kid, maybe you were thinking that you'd be an architect or a, a, a maker, Um and. What one thing that I love is is when you do those uh, when you do your shoot when you do your advertising shoots, or um, it's it's really noticeable in the work you've done for Montclair, um, especially with the genius uh, the genius genre at um, Montclair. You love to make these machines that go around can put your clothes in context um like flying machines and big puffy air kind of things and and really inventive um mechanical challenges mm. um what what is what is uh, like i you know i said I said before we were talking i said it's like leonardo you know making making these
3: machines that is you doing that isn't it we, yeah, creating I think these we work with um so for like the machines like the, with, so with the Montclair machines, we work with Isabelle and Helen, who are kind of like, I guess they're kind of inventors as well. They like make, um, they do, they make kind of like process and movement installations. So we work with them on those, on the Montclair pieces. And then for the campaigns, like the Craig Green campaigns, we, work with david who we've worked with since the beginning so we kind of build things together um scarecrows scarecrows or rafts or blow uh, them up blow them up or the windmill (laughs) i I, I mean maybe it's not the wisest way of doing campaigns because i guess it's not really showing any of the product but um i like that you can explain another part of the collection in an image that maybe didn't come across in the catwalk. So what?
2: But what? Are, what are you explaining there? It, 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 it's you, yeah. You're not. Maybe you're not showing the clothes, but you're saying this is Craig Green. What? What is? What is that? What are you showing with blowing up windmills and scarecrows and things? What? What is that saying about Craig Green?
3: There's always like a process there, you know, like kind of say say the talisman campaign um, where we made we spent ages making these like giant kind of Jersey wood sculptures that looked like the sculptures from the show a little bit. And then we burnt them all and threw them away. So it was, and I always like jokes saying like, we didn't have anywhere to store them anyway. So it was probably the best thing that we kind of, <laughs> they went somewhere else, but I but it, that show was all, it kind of relates to the show. And I like that it was that they can be um, as interesting or beautiful in their finished form as they are in their destroyed form and that I guess it kind of goes back to something that that Louise Wilson always taught me that don't be afraid to like tear it up and throw it away and start again just because it took you a long time doesn't mean that it's worth holding on to so it's
2: anti-precious
3: yeah I think that's like a because it's like a design process for everyone like make it then destroy it then put it all back together if you want it back and then <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's quite <laughs> change it into something else you
2: know, It's quite pagan to me it's kind of the, the, you know the ritual of the, mm. the, the the making and the destruction and the recording of the destruction and the change you know, in energy like burn it and it becomes another energy and well i think of the wicker man always mm. because of the shapes you you do use a sort, sort of wicker man shapes quite Mm. often and the idea of the burning like a sacrifice do you think about stuff like that when you're when you're working like like do you think i mean it's like alchemy that you take one thing and create a much more elevated thing out of it you know you take plastic a piece of plastic and you make this outfit that looks like it's you know blood Glass or crystal mm. or something like really luminous crystal—it's it is alchemy. But also there's the paganism and the ritual and the—you know—I love all of that. It's just—it's uh, like
3: the the plastic outfits. Kind of, I kind of—I love the problem solving aspect of having a business and being a designer. I kind of think mainly what you do is problem solving. Even if we're like, okay, how do you make a man that looks like glass or looks fragile? So you kind of go through the processes of what it could be, and then it even becomes more interesting through the process that it's something throwaway, but it's also glass and he looks fragile, but he's kind of wrapped in bubble wrap and protected. So through the process of the textile development and the the building of it, it kind of becomes maybe more interesting than what the original idea or the start off of the idea is. Um,
2: so that's a sort of practical
3: challenge, but what's yeah. sort, what's
2: the sort of you know spiritual element in all of that the the alchemy that you know that that i mentioned is that of
3: it's It's part of it in terms of the through the process that it becomes you, you know what it's meant to feel like or meant to be seen as um but then kind of the story builds more and more as you're as you're making it or something the idea of like a fragile man but there was something so kind of immediate and expressive about what the plastic kind of does that was kind of childlike but um kind of yeah suffocating and also the elastic technique within the plastic I like that it looked like it was um almost like a woven basket or like a bubble wrap but it was just plastic so in that sense there is like a kind of i guess there's a concept there from the beginning and you kind of want people to feel a certain way but it's very about process kind of is there any sense of taking something like plastic which is you
2: know the curse of Mm. the curse of um, our times one of the curses of our times and giving it this sort of Permanence and beauty which Mm. means that it can live forever as a thing of beauty and not be thrown away you know you can take something that's so base and Mm. it can become something cherishable let's see that's an outcome that's an alchemical Mm. process (laughs) isn't it. Uh, is it is it that kind of consciousness at all? Does it, or do those ideas evolve as you're making something, or I is think it just like let's make something out of coloured plastic?
3: It's <laughs> like we had I think we had bits of plastic from a few seasons before that were just kind of floating around the studio for as textiles that never really, um, never really worked for whatever reason, and it was like this feels right at the moment to do something with plastic, um, or this the way it was. It's more like of course like everyone knows at the moment there's that um there's an environmental concern and like a political aspect to the material um and i feel like sometimes although maybe you don't realize like it's never consciously like let's do something with plastic because of that but maybe that's why that piece of plastic in the studio felt right you know like it's more like so I guess it's kind of a bit more like immediate and automatic in the process. Like lots of ideas kind of start off and then it's like, mm, I don't, not really good to do a plastic outfit at the moment. And, and then sometimes it feels right. So yeah, that transforming something into nothing or changing, taking something out of context is always, I guess it's that idea of nothing ever being finished. I kind of think sometimes it is, but usually you're forced to finish it because there's like a date. And I feel like you can kind of just keep going and being like, oh, this is... And I, I like that aspect of it. Like one morning you can be like, oh my God, this is like the the best bit. Like this is the best bit of the collection. The next day you're like, oh my God, that was the worst bit, throw it away. And then you bring it back out the bin and you're like, what about if we do that? <laughs> um, it's constantly, all, everything's always been questioned and um, analyzed and reconsidered. It's no, it's very rarely like, it, what we start off with is never really what ends up
2: as in the end, but you're not one of those designers who discards everything, starts a new collection, you know new season there is this kind of rolling evolution mm. of of ideas and and aesthetic and yeah. yeah yeah,
3: definitely like it it kind of it's it starts off with like a new idea, but the process and maybe the kind of the uniform aspect or the the monocolor kind of outfits is. Or the mono technique outfits is kind of it's always there, or it's always part of each collection.
2: You know what the craft element reminds me of too. I've, um, it, when, I'm, when I talk about a closed community where this this aesthetic evolves without reference to other things, it it feels quite futuristic. It, it felt it feels medieval to me in one way that it's like a village or something or like a coastal village or on a you know mountaintop or whatever but it also feels very futuristic to me too in in the sense that you know like using the plastic or or the craft like the painted painting things mm-hmm. adding a decorative element that's that's very handmade like people using what they've got to to cheer themselves up mm-hmm. or or decorate themselves or Uh, this sort of medieval this future uh, future medievalism or something (laughs) like that new medievalism that that idea of 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 the future having you know deliberately restricting what you've got to you you said Mm. deliberately restricting what you have to work with and then doing something amazing with it i mean you did the alien movie alien covenant you worked on the alien Mm. movie didn't you um, I'm, I'm wondering how interested you are in 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 that notion of of futurism in in for yourself, but also for your for your for what you do.
3: There was one collection that was. I mean, maybe it's kind of a jokey concept. It was about like kind of past, fu- past, present, and future, which was the autumn winter eighteen one that had the kind of rubber, the rubber latex sculptures, and it was um it was that i we'd started off that we wanted to make a man that looked like he was molded into his uniform so we would go into factories and they had all these kind of very technological modern ways of molding fabric and in some way they just felt so old-fashioned or like really not futuristic and we were like how do we make this look in this way and it and in the end the clothing was we made the effect through like the most basic form of creating volume, just through like folds and then pleats in another direction. And the volume that it gave looked like they were molded. So, and that collection it's we did like the latex houses and I think you picked up on it backstage as well, that did you use latex because it rots over time. And there was that idea of time within the collection that everything is one big full circle. And sometimes the most futuristic thing is the oldest thing. And the most, fut- and the most futuristic thing is the oldest thing when you think it's the newest thing or something. It's like a kind of, wit, you know, <laughs> sometimes the most like a futuristic technique it's kind of the oldest feeling technique and the oldest feeling technique is almost the most futuristic. It's well, quite a humanist point of view that I actually, because that's, it's like against the, machines or something. Well, The, <laughs> oldest, the oldest
2: technique would be that was be something to do with the hand, mm. the human hand. Um, and then, you know, we, I, I sort of feel we're fighting a rearguard a- action against machines now, because every time you pick a newspaper up, it's telling you about how
3: AI is, is, you know, I think that kind of goes back to the uniform aspect as well, that, you don't really see people wearing uniforms to work and i guess you there's a loss of a workforce as things become mechanized so there's that romantic idea of people that do things or people that make things or people that are physical um which kind of goes back to that machine thing again in some weird way but then there are things machines can't do yeah exactly and they're probably the things we should hold on to <laughs> <I love> the, <laughs> until I <love> then
2: <laughs> that, i love the idea that 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 I read the other day about machines will eventually be writing stories, well, t- telling stories about us, the way you know yeah, we write stories about yeah. machines, and then machines will be telling stories about us, and then eventually machines will tell stories about machines, and then we will. <laughs> I don't know where we'll be at that point, <laughs> but hopefully there'll be some Craig Green clothes floating around for them to look at and speculate about.
3: Terrifying idea, isn't it? Is it? Um, I think there's. I, I like the human aspect. I think there's like that kind of but I think it's interesting like the terrifying idea of it is what's interesting about it and I think change I'm not someone that loves change but I think great things can come out of change you know like it's again it goes back to when I was at college and something that Louise Wilson kind of said to everyone she was like you you should be uncomfortable about what you're making you shouldn't feel comfortable about it because then it usually means it's something that you haven't done before or something that's new you should feel like i don't know like is this horrible is it disgusting i don't know how to do this but uh, she would
2: say if it disturbed you it's probably good rather yeah, than if exactly. it pleased you, <laughs> yeah. bit, you know, something <laughs> that upsets you is better than something that pleases you
3: yeah definitely
2: do you feel that you've carried that into into your work something that this mm. because yeah i I'm always impressed by how disturbed I am by, by your shows. Um, even something like those suits, those dream suits in the last show. You called them dream mm. suits, but it looked like skin had been torn off, and you were seeing the muscle peeling away. Yeah, mm. I mean that's quite. I, 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 you know, I go back to Leonardo again. Leonardo made all those dream machines that that the technology. Simply, there was no precedent for the technology that he created in those his things. But the way he also analysed human body, musculature, and things, and of of animals and mm-hmm. humans, and his fascination with um, biology and and so on. It's I see it in. I see it in your work as well. I see, you know the way you expose the body and in your clothes, and it's just—it's quite. It's—I just wonder where that comes from. That, um, that obsession. Does that—is it,
3: it an obsession? I'm definitely work obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, I, I like to. I like like how i said i like i like problem solving and i like to kind of investigate and find things out with new ways of doing things or like how do you do someone that's naked but they're not naked or how do you do how do you make the skin of i guess that those kind of i felt like there was some kind of weird age thing going on in the last collection as well where the different formats of skin like the futuristic skin the kind of very um I think that a lot of the anatomical drawings we were looking at were they're almost like medieval I think and um Zoroastrian and the way that like muscles were being drawn as flowers and the body was kind of one giant plant so there was that idea of skin and then there was the kind of the quilted skin suits that were almost like transparent futuristic and then you had like the leather skin and then at the end you kind of had like digital scans of they were done they were printed really stretched and then we elasticated them to bring them back to reality but then they had kind of it was like the skin was wrinkled but also transparent so there was some kind of weird wearing someone else's skin i don't know know putting yourself into like (laughs) you know
2: how extraordinary that is even as you're talking about it you know how weird extraordinary that sounds
3: It's it's always like a kind of like
2: like, oh you know we did this we did that did that that it's really quite nuts and and wonderful. Nobody else is doing anything
3: remotely like that. It's I, I guess there's like a curiosity in the the way that we work on things in the studio and the way that the team approach you know like the way that we like get something back from the factory. And if it's rubbish, we'll cut it up. It doesn't matter that it, it doesn't matter that it was, we've been working on this for months or like if it's rubbish, it's rubbish. Or like if it's not, if it doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel good. (laughs) So there's that kind of like curiosity and how else can we do skin? What else can we do with like, how do we make that look like a flower? How do we make him look like he's naked, but he's not naked? How do we, does it feel old to do a printed body? How do you do that in a new way? How do you? It's kind of like there's lots and lots of process going on and experimentation, and I think that's why. I think that's why um, some kind of strange things come out in the end. That it's like questioning, experimenting, starting again, cutting it up, re-putting it back together. I think that's a nice process. I I think with this kind of obsession, you'd
2: be, you'd be doing, you'd be exploring ideas like this. Whatever it was that you did, it's obviously. A sort of life's work and it just so happens that you're working in fashion now you're using fashion as your medium do you ever wonder what you would be doing if you didn't work in fashion
3: Mm. i kind of like one side of me thinks like oh i'd love to work in business you know like pure business where it's like problem solving and strategizing how to solve problems there's one aspect of that but i'm not sure i'd actually enjoy that in the end um And then the other side is I've always wanted to do something like ceramics. or I love that ceramics can last forever, you know, and it's for a purpose, like a physical purpose, if you want it to be, you know, like a bowl or a cup. I think there's something amazing about that. So there's that. But what I love about, I think that's also something that attracted me to fashion that you could, it's multidisciplinary. I don't think it's like one thing. It's like... One minute you're working on a building a campaign sculpture, or the next minute you're kind of trying to reinterpret a shoe, which is like making a shoe is so different to making a garment to making a sculpture to making a shop installation or a graphic or a you kind of it's all things like it's textile painting, um constructing a garment, even like with Montclair, like learning. I never realized like making a down jacket is it's like a completely it's it's its own garment construction it's got nothing to do with not down jacket garment construction it's like it's its own its own way of measuring its own way of volume um which is really interesting i love i love that idea and that's another idea of restriction that there's so many limitations in like how you can construct a down jacket because you have to inject it from all different directions and you can't stitch through the feather, otherwise the feather comes out. and So you can start with a sketch and then you have to work out how, with their technical team, how to do that. And I think that's really exciting. So it's completely one. different from what you do for yourself then? In terms of like garment construction and uh, process, yeah, definitely. And is it infiltrating the way you work for yourself can you see that the I think learning how they do it how they work like to it's our first kind of experience of working with a uh, a team uh, yeah like a team of that scale there's like I don't know 15 20 people there in the fitting and when we do a fitting there's like two of us and it's very like who are these people and what they do (laughs) um which I think kind of it's a learning curve of how how you, how things are done on a bigger scale, and I think that definitely infiltrates into the way that we work.
2: So you're actually you you I know you are a pragmatist. I know that you can work with a huge company like, like um, Montclair. You can also you also you know you said your work's about problem solving ultimately. But can you see that you know as you're building Greenland that it can. Um, You you could do ceramics. You can do anything. You can. How do you imagine? How do you imagine your your business expanding? Would it become, you know, like the lifestyle proposition, for example?
3: Because you're making a world um, now. I guess I, I, I kind of I enjoy the business aspect as as not maybe not as much, but I I like I find it interesting the business aspect of having a fashion business and design I find them both really interesting and I feel like they're both problem solving in their own kind of strange way and I like that and I love making things so yeah I definitely think like if we if we get offered a project that's like furniture I always jump at it because it's like oh, it's like something we can't do on a catwalk and maybe we wouldn't do in a campaign it's like another way of the same with adidas or like a shoe collaboration because i think like a shoe is like a sculpture kind of you can do so much on a shoe that doesn't really work on a garment um so there's so many exciting things you can do in that way and men are kind of maybe more adventurous with their footwear on a whole <laughs> are you, are, did you enjoy the movie experience would you would you want to do more of that sort of thing that was amazing working with janty yates she's like a yeah she's amazing and to work on a film like that is i i mean like a kid's dream isn't it i remember watching like all the alien films at my friend's house when i was in primary school and yeah to even be a part of that story a small part of that story is like I i feel like a film lasts forever or something that so you can look back at it. I mean, fashion can last forever as well, but like I feel like a film. Yeah, last approach- forever in do you that get way. Do
2: you, get a, do you get approached for stuff like that?
3: Sometimes. I mean, like, I, I feel like. What I always like when we get approached for a project, I always think it's exciting to. If it's like something really different to what we've ever done, I always think that's almost more exciting than another version of what we're doing or another version. You know, like um, another way of trying to okay, how do you take this? How do you take this and this and try and put it together in a way that makes sense? And I think that's what's exciting. And
2: what about when the giants of hip hop call you to dress the and things? How's that?
3: It's it's like it's amazing that um, who was the
2: last? Who was the last person who did it? Was it ASAP Rocky or
3: uh, Pusha T? We've done we did his oh, yeah. like Coachella outfit yeah. recently. Um, so yeah, we do like custom for some people, some people, we don't even know if they're going to wear it. Like they, it's like a surprise and some people approach us for custom. So that's always exciting as well. I mean, I love like a, I think doing a stage outfit is like, it's like a show again, isn't it? So it's like, you have to kind of think about it on so many different levels and so much more is possible than maybe real life. so yeah, th- I, that's what I love about fashion—that you can you can do all of those things. It is possible if you want to. Like you can, and there's so many more things you can do with it as well. You know, as time mm. goes on, and it's ever changing as well. And, and and I think there's like a, um, I always think it's it's weird. It's like an addictive industry. I don't know. I think because it's like ever changing and ever adapting and it's exciting to see what's happening and what's going to happen. And maybe that's why so many people are obsessed with it. And I think it you know, helps are successful it? too. <laughs> <laughs> how, how is women's wear um,
2: impacting on your, on your business?
3: Um, we, we have like women customers that buy the, the menswear, um, but we haven't yet ventured into like a fully formed women's, kind of design collection, I guess. Um, yeah, lots of the stores kind of report that women go to the men's sections of the department stores and buy menswear. I think, as I understand it, it's kind of, I guess, across many brands that's happening at the moment, that kind of women want to go to the men's department and buy <laughs> Yeah,
2: but when you're doing, men, when you have that kind fit. of uniform... Mm. that
3: uniform element it makes it a little bit easier um Mm. there's something about the someone described like the first worker jacket that we did someone said it's it's like relaxed tailoring but it's it's kind of like workwear and then i was thinking about why does this jacket look good on um the women that we know and also the men and i think it's that thing about not having a structured shoulder or a shoulder pad that it can kind of adapt to like all body shapes. And if you have like a string that can cinch it in, you can also adapt the shape as well. So it's kind of like a, there's a relaxedness to the structure that I think, and certain garments can work on both men and women. Do you feel, um
2: now you how many people work with you now i mean I, I know we've talked about this over the years how small your team is but now
3: we're slightly it, bigger it, the last year we're 10 full-time and five regular part-time so like two days a week in different departments that's kind of how we're structured at the moment but we do we're, we're like um we still run in a very independent way so we have we do all the distribution sales production from that team so everything kind of happens there at the moment i don't how, know how long that can last for but how is that <laughs> it how is that though how do you find that
2: do you are you feeling stressed or you, you like you said you always. like you like business? <laughs>
3: um always stressed um it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable though it's um its it's 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 a i mean I guess everyone in fashion will say it's it's a tough industry it's like it's hard work you have to kind of fully commit um but I think as long as you kind of love the people that you work with and are excited about what could be then i don't know maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> <laughs> do you feel do you feel a sense of
2: responsibility that that um
3: these people I mean, yeah. Do you feel a sense of responsibility? That's something definitely that kind of interests me. I think it's, it's like you. It, it's scary if you stop to think that. I don't know. Maybe it's a bit like. I guess you are responsible for the choices that are made, and it affects real people's lives if they're kind of part of the team and. It's like their income, like, in a black and white way. It's like. <laughs> but, but, but on a on a broader stage I remember you said to me
2: a few seasons ago when you went to show at Pittiwomo as a sort of invited guest at Pittiwomo in Florence you were you were you felt you might be letting London Fashion Week down hmm. and you very quickly became this sort of you know tentpole of London Fashion Week the you know the must-see show how does that sit with you that that sense of becoming a, a figurehead not just an influence but also a figurehead
3: sounds scary doesn't it (laughs) figurehead um i think there's that aspect of like the company and what i do would not exist without london and i mean up until like four seasons ago five seasons ago we had a free show which is like that we could never have put on a show for like those beginning seasons and we've we were in Saraband, we were in the CFE, we were part of Fashion East, then New Gen. Um So there is that aspect there that you kind of Yeah, I guess it's like it's part of the story and part of where what's got us to where we are now. Um And then there's the consideration of yeah, if you if you suddenly move show even if it's for one season there is of course that like worry that like oh those people that have supported you are you then moving on (laughs) but um yeah uh, there is that consideration but you came back came back yeah (laughs)
2: yeah with with fashion in flux the way it is now uh, what what do you see happening for yourself
3: um i I think you're probably meant to have like a business plan and stuff, aren't you? But we, every time we try and do one a year later, it's like, cause like anything can happen in, I think that's what's amazing and terrifying about um, having a fashion business that in, in the space of six months, something incredible or something terrible can happen like so quickly um, that it's very hard to plan for like, where do you want to be in three years, five years, 10 years. And with a small team, you're kind of like run with it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know. Well, you did say the unknown is good. You (laughs) did say you like light and dark. Yeah, and the unknown. (laughs) And the unknown. Knowing
2: is dangerous. I think. Well, thank you very much, Craig. Um, I'm looking forward to heading even further into the (laughs) unknown with you in the years to come. It's great to see you.
4: If you enjoyed this conversation, you might also be interested in joining BOF's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis in our Daily Digest email, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, special print issues, and all of our online courses and learning materials from BOF Education. For a limited time only, we're offering our podcast listeners an exclusive 25% discount on your first year of an annual BOF professional membership. To get this special offer, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package, and enter the special code PODCAST2019 at checkout. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please leave us a rating if you did, and don't forget to share it with your friends.